Next week, we'll be reading about Moses going up Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. But he couldn't go there with Am Yisrael, with the people who'd carry that message forward if they hadn't had the courage at the sea, which we read about this week, to not just pray for God to part it, but to be willing to go into it before it departed. We need leaders to give us that courage to go forward. And I'm honored, we're honored to sit on the bima of this holy place, and we hope you're bringing in the spirit wherever you are at home with just such a leader. Her name is Brown, Dr. Brown, who has been one to part waters in so many ways and to keep himself renewed, to keep pushing forward, to help us get closer to the mountain and be better receptacles of, of God's message. It's been an honor for us as rabbis here at the synagogue to partner with you, to learn from you, to follow you, to lead with you. Man who was one of the last people to study with Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., graduate at Morehouse College, leader of the NAACP, leader of Third Baptist Church since 1976, and one who is tirelessly parting waters for us. So we're honored that we didn't want to give up on this chance to learn and celebrate together in this partnership as our two communities, to have you here this Shabbat, just as you're recovering from COVID yourself, like so many, your spirit is full and ready to go forward. We thought we'd join in conversation with you. So wherever you are, I want to have you say, welcome, Dr. Brown. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. We're allowed to take our, our mask off here and just pull that towards you and turn that on. So Reverend Brown, I just thought I'd, I'd start by asking, how do you hold on to hope? How do you, in these times, hold on to hope and have the spirit that you have? And you can leave your mask on and take it off and turn it Well, Rabbi Jonathan, in addition to having unshakable faith in the God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, who's brought us thus far along the way in this struggle for human rights, social justice, inclusion, fairness, and just plain common sense to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Secondly, I would hasten to say I have maintained hope during these years of sojourning in San Francisco because I've always been inspired by the leadership 
of Temple Emmanuel Congregation. And immediately, the excellent, empathetic, consistent, and true support that you and your dear wife, Beth, have given me. And we kept hope because these two congregations, Third Baptist and Temple Emmanuel, have never permitted any fissure of race, of gender, show sexual orientation, political engagement. We've not permitted anyone to bring division or mistrust in this great bond. And this bond has been kept intact because we have always been about the struggle, always been about seeing the needs of others. Where I come from in Mississippi, there's an old saying that I often quote, you've never seen a mule kick and pull at the same time. And we have too much kicking in the world because there are too few people who are pulling their fair load to lead us to justice, a nobler social order, and peace throughout the world. So tonight, again I say, after 35 years, even though, yes, COVID, found me, messed with me, but thanks be to God that our bond is so strong that even though this old body is a little weak, haven't been down for two weeks, but my spirit is not broken and my mind is clear and I'm indeed speaking my mouth this night because I'm inspired by the fellowship, by the love, and by the commitment to social justice that you have continued here at Temple Emmanuel in partnership with Third Baptist. And as we gather tonight, not for an oration, a sermon, but for a serious, focused conversation against the backdrop of the Holy Writ. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, a passage that I'm sure in our Judeo-Christian tradition has challenged us 
and enable us to face the present crisis that's afoot in this nation. And in that sixth chapter it reads, in the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried out unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sins purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. Send me. And if I had the strength to stand up and deliver a sermon, my title would be Only Triple A will save us. Triple A? Only Triple A will save us. Notice Isaiah the prophet said, Woe is me. Why? Because I am a man unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. A messy, unclean, chaotic, terrible, tragic situation. And in the midst of that situation, there was fear, there was anxiety, there was 
one feeling that there was no hope. And that's where I would suggest America is today. We are in a hopeless situation. We are in a nation in which there are many unclean lips. We have majored in lying and minor in telling the truth. The high and the low of both political persuasions, Democrats, Republicans, and Independents can't turn the radio on or view the television without witnessing persons saying one thing in one set and saying altogether another thing, denying what one has said. We are in a mess. We are dwelling amongst a people of unclean lips. But to be exact, this text has particular application for me personally and my dear wife, Jane. For two weeks ago, I was invited to go to Salt Lake City, Utah, as guest of honor for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for their annual Christmas concert. And unfortunately, while we were there, I lost my keys, my car keys. And after everything was over there, coming back to San Francisco, I was still in a state of anxiety and loss. Well, as active as I am, you know, I have to get around. And I looked throughout the house, followed my tracks, but still no key was found. No Lexus key was to be had. And so I called. No, I called at first. Lexus of Ceremony. And I said to the servant agent, can you come over to my house? do something to give me another key. And the service agent said, I'm sorry. Your car will have to be towed over the ceremony in order for us to rekey 
your key. And I said to him, how much will that cost? He said, that will be between $435 and $500. Now, you know, by then, I was in a mess. $400 plus. Dollars. But the long short of it all is that I had to also call AAA because my car had to be towed to ceremony. And when I called them, was the question, what is your membership card number? I looked into my bill folder, and lo and behold, because my dear wife was up on me, and she had a special service that she didn't have to call AAA. So our family account <laughs> had elapsed, and it cost another $70 to get the card renewed, to get it renewed. But I had to fork it over, and after the man came, Lo and behold, I discovered that I had to wait for a rental car because it would have to take them all day long to reprogram the key. But before I was able to get over to ceremony. And before the man came with the tow truck, the question that he asked me, are you in a safe spot? Where are you? And I told him, yes. But I want to say to our live stream audience this night, we are not in a safe spot in America. We are in a terrible spot. This democratic republic is on the verge of going into decline like ancient Rome. There are some eerie parallels that were in Rome that we face today. Number one, the Caesars, the emperors, were the 2%. They lived opulent lifestyle, and they did not care about the welfare and the common good of the plebeians. Number two, Rome fell in rebuilding her infrastructure. 
Does that sound familiar? Even today, we have not been able to get through that U.S. Senate. Build back America. Because too many are focusing in on their private, petty, political agenda and do not see the common good. And finally, Rome fell because in that day there was the foreign enemy who invaded the empire. I would not take the time to recite all the history, but I would recommend that everybody make it their business to read Gibbon's book, The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. I say again, we are not in a safe spot. We're in a dangerous place in America. But still, that committee on January the 6th that investigation is being hampered because there are persons who were engaged in that unfortunate insurrection who have even said boldly and bluntly to the American public, we will not testify. We are in a bad spot in this nation. But I say, AAA will save us, as AAA saved me. But I have used my sanctified imagination to create what those triple three A's represent. If we're going to come out of this bad spot in these United States of America, the first A is to admit one's fault. Notice Isaiah said in this passage, I am a man of what, Rabbi Jonathan? Unclean lips. Unclean lips. Not only does America have unclean lips, but America, so to speak, has dirty skirts and pants that need to be washed in this nation. We have got to come out of this state of denial, this state of denial, and admit our shortcomings. That's why Jim Wallace, that great scholar, theologian, and activist, wrote in that book, America's Original Sin, was what? The sin of race. And this sin of race has historically had many mutations, if I may use that language. Racism has caused sexism. 
spun off into xenophobia, homophobia, chauvinism, anti-Semitism, and all of those sins, sins, plural, that we are guilty of. I brought me a prop tonight. Rabbi, hand me this picture. I've still got to stay with this first A. Not only did my wife and I enjoy a great concert over in Salt Lake City, but we happened to have gone to the Family Research Center, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They have made a great accomplishment of hooking people up with their ancestry and enable us to know what happened before us. And Third Baptist Church, this congregation that has been in partnership with Temple Emmanuel, and we've always been neighbors too because our first sites were over there, the same place around Russian Hill. <laughs> we were neighbors, Sutter, There, Powell, and Bush. But my point is, even though we were founded around the same time, but at Third Baptist, we have bragged about a woman named Eliza Davis being the founder. And many never heard or read a composite, complete, biographical or autobiographical statement. But thanks to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, on that Friday morning, Rabbi, when I said to one of the attendants, would you please see if you can research any information on one Eliza Davis. She was the founder of Third Baptist. But I need to know more about her. And lo and behold, after about 45 minutes, she came up with this article from the San Francisco Examiner, an interview of a woman, an estate born before Washington died. That's President George Washington. Mrs. Eliza Davis lived a century and three months. She lived to be 103 rather, years old. But in that article that also involves an artist doing a sketch of her talking. She tells of the fact that she was born bound slave in the county of Charlottesville, Virginia, and that her husband came westward here 
two years before she got here in 1852. Why am I wrestling with this history here. I'm wrestling with it because the only thing that will save us as a nation and as a city is to admit our past with all the baggage. But we got the evidence here that Miss Eliza Davis was indeed enslaved. But thanks be to God, a husband purchased her freedom. And she came to San Francisco and was a lady of distinction and honor. I underscore this, that only that first ALA will save America. Why? Because people are talking about critical race theory. We don't want to go back there. We don't want to hear that. That happened, and even ironically speaking tonight, the Lieutenant Governor of Virginia from the same state that Eliza Davis came from, but thanks be to God that she had, Eliza Davis had more integrity and common sense than this person by accident. But you know what she said, the Lieutenant Governor? We need to forget about slavery. We don't need to talk about that anymore. And thanks be to God, we are partners with Temple Emmanuel, in which your tradition has said, never forget. Forget what? Always remember not to get stuck back there, but to learn about our flaws that we will not permit ourselves to commit the same old mistakes again. And America needs to face the fact that only admitting what has happened will save this nation and bring us to a beloved society. But that other eight years, thank God, Jewish tradition, atonement, atonement. What does atonement mean? It means to make amends. It means reparations. It means paying back. It means restoring to those whom you wrong their dignity and what you've taken from them. America needs to atone for what it has done to the Jewish community and to the black community and all people who have been oppressed and marginalized. Atone. Don't just say you're sorry. Don't just admit it. But show some fruits of repentance. And that's the reason why to make it existential and bring it right home to San Francisco, we deserve, as a black community, reparations. Redevelopment was supposed to be about renewal of the community, but it was about black removal. So I hope 
that friends who are viewing this live stream will see that the book is speaking and not Amos Brown. It's all in the book. That other aid that you need is atonement. And it's the Board of Supervisors, the Mayor's Office, people of conscience and goodwill of all races, need to come to the conference table and make it an actual, practical experience of righting the wrong, the pain and the injury that has been caused African Americans, Native Americans, women, and the gay community. All we, like sheep, have gone astray each one to his or her own way. But then finally, that other A is action. Action. We need everybody to get up and do something. And to refrain from just complaining and talking about how bad things are but assuming our own individual responsibilities to brighten the corner where we are and bringing light and love to a people and a nation that is undone and needs to say, here am I, like Isaiah, Lord, send me. Thank you, Temple Emmanuel, for saying always with Third Baptist, we are here. We are here to be sent to teach the young, to encourage the seniors, to give directions to the youth in order that we might save the day as it was saved Amos Brown, when Triple A came to bring me out of my miserable situation. And I hope we will come to the day that we will truly be one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Reverend Brown, as we wrap up this service, I've got my own three A's for you there. Amos, we agree. Amen. <laughs> Thank you.